We'll continue with the series on repentance from dead works, which is uh, the first out of the six foundational doctrines taught to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And uh, we've been dealing up to now with um, repentance and just what repentance means because the doctrine is repentance from dead works. And we saw that repentance is turning away from the, the direction that you were going and turning uh, in the complete opposite direction. And we uh, kind of highlighted it from the point of view of what our Lord uh, mandated Paul when he said that Paul, uh, he had called Paul to preach the gospel and turn people from darkness to light and turn them from the power of Satan to God. And so the two are the opposite ends of the, of the scale, for one of another word. Um, darkness and light are completely contrasting. And so when we repent, we turn away from that, we, that way which we're going and we go in the opposite direction. Uh, we had a look at what uh, dead works are, and we saw that dead works are in fact sin. Um, and then we had a look at what sin is all about. And the fact is that we have been cleansed from all sin. Our Lord Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all sin. We saw that sin is lawlessness. Sin is in fact being disobedient to God's commandments and, and God's laws. And that really is in essence what sin is. It is uh, being disobedient to the laws of God, being disobedient to His Word. Um, the Bible refers to those who are unbelievers in the world today, calls them sons of disobedience. And uh, we are no longer sons of disobedience, we are sons of obedience because we now obey the, the Word of God. We saw that all uh, um, believers were at one time uh, sinners. Before we came into the kingdom of God, we were all sinners. Uh, there was, we saw that um, there are some people who live very good lives, and we saw that based on um, a person's conscience, that kind of dictates to the person how they will live their lives. And we saw that certain people ignore their consciences completely, and they become very wicked, uh, whereas others uh, tend to obey their consciences and live good lives, but nevertheless are still classified as sinners. The Bible said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the reason that they're all sinners before they come into the kingdom of God is because they're spiritually dead. And uh, it's the nature of man that has to change. It's not just man's sin that has to be forgiven, but man's very nature has to change. Our Lord spoke to the Pharisees when he was on the earth, and they were very religious people who tried to live good and holy lives. And our Lord called them um, sons of the devil. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And the Bible calls all unbelievers um, uh, sons of the devil by and large because they, uh, Satan is the god of this world. They have taken on upon, upon themselves his nature uh, in that they all died spiritually and uh, it is the nature of man that has to change. It's not just man's sin that has to be forgiven. But we saw that although the, world, the, the Bible calls all those in the world sinners, it never refers to the, the members of, of the body of Christ as sinners any longer. When we come into the kingdom of God, the Bible calls us saints. Um, our Lord never refers to his church as sinners. He always refers to them as saints. And that is because there has been a transition in our nature. Our nature has changed from that of being a sinner to one of being a saint. And um, we had a look at uh, the one passage of Scripture in uh, Timothy where Paul puts him, himself forward as an example of one whom the Lord has changed from being a sinner to being a saint. <clears throat> and that one um, verse of Scripture where that one little word uh, where the Bible says, uh, quoting Paul, said at, at the end of that passage of scripture, of whom I am chief, talking about the uh, Lord has come into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And we saw that that scripture should actually read, and the Lord came into the world to save sinners, of whom I was chief. That little word am should have been um, put in the Bible as was, because it was past tense. Uh, Paul was no longer claiming to be the chief of sinners, but he was now saying, I used to be the chief of sinners, but since Christ has come into the world and has saved me, I am no longer chief of sinners. And so you know, we are no longer sinners once we come into the kingdom of God. Then we saw that uh, Christ has paid the price for our sin. 
in that he died for our sins. He he incurred the wrath of Almighty God for our sins. For we saw in Scripture that every sin has to be accounted for. No sin goes unpunished. Under the Old Covenant, every transgression had to be um, uh, accounted for and had to receive its just reward. That doesn't change under the New Covenant. It still has to happen in that every sin has to be dealt with and every sin has to be punished. Um, but what has transpired is that our Lord Jesus Christ has taken upon himself our sins. Um, in the book of Corinthians, the Bible talks about the fact that he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so the sin that Jesus was made to be sin with was our sin. He took our sins upon him, and he paid the price for our sins. He is the one who incurred the wrath of God for the sins that we have committed. All sin, the whole, every sin of mankind from the time of Adam up until the time that, of the close of the age, every sin that man would commit had to be accounted for and had to be paid for. And our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who has paid the price for every sin ever committed by man and every sin that still is to be committed by man. He has taken upon himself the sin of the world. And when he did that, he was separated from God. He died spiritually. He died physically as well, obviously. He died spiritually in that he was separated from God. Remember that he, he, the word that he cried on the cross, My God, my God, why hath thee forsaken me? The reason that God had forsaken him was because Jesus had become sin. For the scripture says, He who knew no sin was made to be sin. Sin cannot dwell in the presence of God. God is holy and righteous and just, and no sin can dwell in his presence. And so there had to be a separation uh, of Jesus from God the Father for the very first time in, in all eternity that, it, that occurred, in that Jesus was separated from God the Father because he became sin without sin. Um, he then descended into the lowest pit of hell. We saw that in Scripture. And he incurred the wrath of God for all the sin of mankind. He paid the price for our sin. The Bible talks about the fact that Jesus was delivered up for our offenses. It was our offenses that sent him into the pit of hell. And he was raised because of our justification. So once every sin had been accounted for and paid, uh, the price had been fully paid for the sins uh, of the world, then and only then could Christ be raised from the dead. And so our Lord Jesus Christ was then raised from the dead by God the Father, because he had not committed any sin. Although he was made to be sin, he had not committed any sin. And so when he was um, held in Hades for that three, those three days and three nights, um, he was actually held there illegally, for he had not committed any sin. And he was the only man who was not condemned to hell. Every other man who had ever lived, and will whoever will live, uh, is condemned to hell because of our sin. He's the only one who never committed any sin, and so he's the only one who was able actually to go straight to heaven after he died um, because he was sinless. But he went to hell, and he took our place. And so, in actual fact, he went there. He, uh, Satan, who had the power of, of death and Hades at the time, uh, had the keys of Hades and death at the time, um, held authority over our Lord Jesus for that short period, that three-day period, uh, when our Lord was in the pit of hell. And uh, you, can, you can look it up in, in uh, Samuel and in the Psalms. gives an, a vivid account of what transpired when our Lord Jesus Christ, in fact, was in hell. And what he did uh, when he was raised from the dead from hell, and how he uh, then destroyed um, Satan and his angels. And uh, we read that account in the New Testament about he um, disarmed principalities and powers and made an open show of them, dis uh, publicly displaying them um, over it, basically. And so that is what transpired in hell. Then our Lord was raised from the dead by God the Father. He collected his resurrected body when he was raised from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven and he offered before God the Father his own blood as the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And that sacrifice was acceptable to God the Father because it was his, his blood was the spotless blood of the, the, the Lamb of God. 
And so when that blood was presented to God the Father, that blood was acceptable as a, an atoning sacrifice for the sin of mankind. And all sin of mankind is washed through the blood of the Lamb. And we are cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. His blood, He has paid the price for our sin and He has cleansed all of mankind. Every single person who ever lived and whoever will live, Jesus has paid the price for their sin. And um, He has um, offered His blood before the Father as the atoning sacrifice for their sins. And we saw that that is one of the reasons, well, in fact, that it is the reason why to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and then to reject it is a greater sin than even those who lived in the uh, towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. For remember our Lord Jesus Christ, when he was teaching his disciples to go out and preach the gospel, he said, if anybody doesn't accept this gospel when you preach it, you need to go out into the streets of that town and wipe off the dust of the of the of uh, the city uh, from your feet as a testimony against them. And he said it would be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And the reason that that is uh, the case is because Sodom and Gomorrah, nobody had ever preached the gospel to them. They, they knew nothing about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, they just knew sin, and they knew sin very well because you know, they were a wicked um, city or two, a couple of cities. And God judged them because of their wickedness and because of the, uh, the exceedingness of their sin that they were committing. Um, nevertheless, an, uh, a town or an individual who hears the gospel preached and are told God has paid the price for your sin in that he has sent his son to die for your sin. He has incurred the wrath of God on your behalf and his atoning blood is available to you that you may uh, receive forgiveness of sins and also that you may be changed in your nature that you may be born again. Now, an individual who then rejects that gospel and says, well, I could care less that God paid the price for my sin. It means nothing to me, has now insulted the spirit of grace and as such has basically insulted God and will be held to a higher degree of account on the day of judgment than even those who lived in the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. For our Lord actually made the comment, he said, that had Sodom and Gomorrah had the same sign shown to them as was shown in the towns that our Lord ministered to in his day, Sodom and Gomorrah would have remained. They wouldn't have been destroyed. So our Lord is basically implying they would have repented and they would have uh, turned away from their, their sin in order to turn to God. Just as the men, men of Nineveh did when Jonah went into that city and preached to them, they repented. And because they repented, our Lord said that they will rise up in the judgment in the last day and they will condemn the cities that our Lord preached in because the men of Nineveh had in fact repented. And uh, our Lord implied that the men in, in Sodom and Gomorrah would have repented had they seen what Capernaum had seen, what um, uh, the other towns, Natna and Nazareth didn't see too much because they didn't believe in the Lord. But the other towns in Galilee who, that had seen um, the work of, of the Lord Jesus in their midst, um, had Sodom and Gomorrah seen those, those works, they would have repented. And so that is why um, it is a dangerous thing to actually hear the gospel preached. For to hear the gospel preached and to reject the gospel carries a, a tremendous penalty on the Day of Judgment, far more than even the most wicked sinner that you could think of. Um, and so it is a, a dangerous thing to hear the gospel preached and not respond to it by accepting it. And so we want to continue with um, the series on uh, the repentance from dead works, and we're dealing with now uh, today's teaching the fact that we have been freed from sin. We've seen that uh, our Lord Jesus has paid the price for our sins and that we have been cleansed from our sins. And we had a look at the fact that when we come into the kingdom of God, at that instant, the moment we're born again, the moment we're saved, we are completely sinless 
for all of our old sins up until that moment in time have been completely washed away and complete, we've been completely cleansed from those sins. Peter said that some Christians get to the point where they forget that they were washed from their old sins. Talking about when they came into the kingdom of God that uh, the blood of the Lamb has washed us from all of our old sins. And so we said that when we accept Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, at that very moment, we stand before God completely free of all sin. There is no sin in us at all. Now, we then said five minutes later, the individual might commit sin by thinking the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. But for that five minute period from the time they came into the kingdom of God until the time they committed the very next new sin, they were completely sinless. And we said that it was God's intention that that five-minute period actually lasts for our whole lifetime. That from the time we come into the kingdom of God until the time we leave this planet to be with our Lord, that we should never uh, sin again. It was never the Lord's intention that we come into the kingdom of God, we wash from all of our old sins, and now we go out and start committing some new sins so that we can be washed once again. That was never the Lord's intention. And so he has made provision for his church to walk free from sin. And we also said right at the outset that Christianity never preaches that we will never sin. That's, that's not the gospel. But what uh, the Bible does teach us is that we can walk free from sin. And for our Lord has made provision for that. And that is really what uh, we want to touch on today in today's series of teaching. And we'll see how far we get along that line. Um, and so we're going to look at the, the makeup of man briefly, because in order to understand this concept about the fact that we have been freed from all sin, we do need to have an understanding of what man is and, and how man is, is formed. Um, and there, there are basically three parts to man um, that are taught to us in Scripture. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, the Scripture says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and so man is primarily made up of three main parts spirit soul and body now there are two other aspects to man we touched on uh, one other aspect briefly in the previous teaching the conscience of man that is a separate part of man um, and then also there is the will of man. That's another part of man. But the, so it's really those five. But the, the, the main parts of man are the spirit, their soul, and their body. Now, when we come into the kingdom of God, when we are born again, it is our spirits that are born again. The spirit of man is what is, is affected by the new birth, by salvation. Salvation affects the spirit of man. It does not affect the mind of man, neither does it affect the body of man. What has to happen with regards to the mind of man, the mind is not affected at all uh, when we come into the kingdom of God. The Bible refers to uh, baby believers as being carnally minded. And so what that means is that our minds, when we're born again, it's our spirits that are, are made new creations in Christ Jesus, but our minds do not change at all. The thinking that we had before we came into the kingdom of God remains in place after we come into the kingdom of God. For it is the way that our minds have been programmed all the time since we came into the earth. Um, for when we come into the earth, our minds are pretty much a blank and they get programmed as we go through life. And so the way that we think is pretty much... Um, a reflection of that which we have been taught by everything around us, by people, by our culture that we grew up in. Everything that we, we've been exposed to has been imprinted upon our minds. And that is how we think and that is how we act because the way that we think is the way that we then behave. So when we come into the kingdom of God, um, the very, the very moment we're born again, our spirits are new creations, but our minds don't change. We still think exactly the same way we thought before we came into the kingdom of God. And so what the Bible teaches us to do um, as believers 
is in uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Be not conformed unto this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so our minds have to be renewed. Translated means we have to now reprogram our thinking. And our, uh, the way that we do that is by spending time in the Word of God. We have to renew our thinking to think in line with the Word of God. And that is uh, one of the steps that we have to start taking. From the moment we come into the kingdom until the time we go home to be with the Lord Jesus, we are to continually reprogram our minds. We continually need to renew our minds and gain knowledge of the Word of God and begin to behave as God says we should behave. Translate means if God says this about us, well then this is now our nature and this is what we do. We don't do what we used to do as what the world taught us, as carnal thinking is. We now become what the Bible calls spiritually minded in the book of Romans. Uh, Paul contrasts the two. He says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And so the two are contrasted against each other, the spiritual mind and the carnal mind. The carnal mind is all, everybody comes into the kingdom of God with a carnal mind. They're the most uh, spiritual apostle that have, that, uh, apostles that have ever lived, Paul, Peter, James, John, all of them, when they were born again, they had carnal uh, minds. Their, their thinking was still carnal. They were still babes in Christ. They had to grow in the things of God. They had to renew their minds. They had to become spiritually minded. And so that is one thing that we have to do. We have to transition in our spirit, in our walk with the Lord. We have to transition from being carnally minded to becoming spiritually minded. And the Bible talks about being mature in the Lord and being a babe in Christ. Those are the two contrasts kind of that we see in Scripture. To become mature in the Lord means to be uh, spiritually minded. You're starting to think as God thinks. And under the Old Covenant, the, the, the Scripture said through the prophets, your th my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That is Old Covenant. Under the New Covenant, things change. For now, the Bible teaches us that we have the mind of Christ. And so His thoughts are our thoughts. His ways are our ways. What we have to do is we have to start adopting His thoughts and adopting His ways. And we do that by spending time primarily in the New Testament, especially in the epistles of the New Testament, because those are the letters that are written to the church, explaining to the church just who she has become and who, what God has done in our lives and what we can now do. And we can do far more than what the Old Testament saints could do because they didn't have access to um, one, well, I don't want to put a percentage on, but a, a minuscule part of what the New Testament say, saints have access to. And because of incorrect teaching and not New Testament teaching, New Testament saints very often uh, try and equate themselves to Old Testament saints, and you cannot because we're completely, we're a different species. We are new creations. The Old Testament saints were never new creations. Uh, they still had fallen, the fallen nature of the devil in them, even though they were believers. We won't uh, touch too much on that today, but the point is, that we need to transition when we come into the kingdom of God from being carnally minded to becoming spiritually minded, to, from being babes in Christ to becoming mature in our thinking. And when we become mature in our thinking, we start to think more and more as God thinks, as the Lord Jesus Christ thinks, as we meditate upon his word and renew our minds. The scripture says, be no longer conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so until, we are, until our minds are renewed, we will never be transformed. We will always be conformed to this world because we will continue to think as this world thinks. And so God says, no, no, that's not how you have to think anymore. You're not to think as my word says you are to think. And that is what we have to do. We have to transition from being carnally minded to being spiritually minded. Now, we will never achieve um, full uh, understanding of God's word in this life. For Paul himself said, you know, we only know in part. 
as you know, we as much as we know about the Word of God, and as much as we are, our minds are renewed, and as much as as mature as we do become in this life, it is still only in part. It, it the, the the fullness only comes. The Bible talks about the fact that when we are with the Lord, then the perfect will have come. And that's speaking of our minds. Our minds will be completely renewed. The perfect has already come in our spirits, by the way, for our spirits are born again. And we'll touch on that in a bit more detail. Um, but with regards to our minds, we are transitioning. We are uh, renewing our minds. And the, but the perfect doesn't come. We do not have perfect knowledge on, in this life. We will, all of us, have perfect knowledge when we go to be with the Lord. That is when our soul, which is our mind, uh, is completely um, transformed and we then the perfect then has come and each saint who goes to be with the Lord Jesus has then perfect knowledge of the Word of God of everything they then think even as the Lord thinks there's no difference anymore but in this life that doesn't happen in this life it is a process that we go through it's a process we start from the time we come into the kingdom until such a time as we leave this planet to be with Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, and so we'll never reach uh, full maturity. But the Bible does teach that we can become mature in our thinking. And we can become mature believers. And so that is what all believers should be aspiring to throughout their time that they spend here on, on the earth after they're born again. And as, as we've said, to the degree that our minds are renewed, that is the, the degree to which we will be transformed from our old way of thinking to beginning to think as God thinks and beginning then to behave as God behaves. Now, with regards to our bodies, Nothing changes with our bodies. With regards to our mind, our, our spirits are born again. We get new, we're new creations in Christ. Our minds do not change. We have to change our minds. We have to renew our minds. That's something that God uh, mandates us to do. Now, when we do that, we obviously um, spend time before the Lord and we, we pray uh, because the Bible says that the Lord gives us spiritual understanding. So we do need to ask him. To grant us spiritual understanding. You look at the prayers that Paul prayed in the uh, book of Ephesians and Colossians, you will see the prayers that he prayed over the church. And that is the kind of prayer petition that we bring before the Father. Um, and that then gets our minds renewed as we then spend time in the Word of God. But with regards to our bodies, our bodies, physical bodies do not change at all. They stay exactly the same. And we will receive new bodies, our resurrected bodies, when our Lord Jesus Christ returns to the earth. That is when all the saints will receive their resurrected bodies. But until such a time as that happens, while we're on this planet, we dwell within these bodies, and these bodies do not change from the time we come into the kingdom until the time we go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. No change takes place in our bodies at all. But what the Bible teaches us is that we need to then be presenting our bodies um, as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God. Now again, the mandate is on the, the believer to present their bodies to God. Um, and we have authority over our bodies. We can. We will see that sin resides in the body of the believer. Sin, um, and we'll look at scripture along that line. Um, and so we have to present our bodies. And Paul said, I keep my body under, I bring it into subjection, lest after having preached unto others, I myself should be found a castaway. Um, and so the Apostle Paul, who was quite spiritual in his thinking, still had to keep his physical body under because the physical body has the DNA of sin residing in it. Um, the Bible talks about the fact that from one blood in the book of Acts, from one blood, God has made every nation under this, uh, on, on the planet. That one blood being the blood of Adam. And so everybody's physical bodies have descended from Adam. And so when Adam sinned and sin entered into his body, sin became part of the DNA of the physical body of man. And that was passed on from generation to generation. And all of us um, dwell inside bodies that we have inherited from Adam. And sin resides in those bodies. Our spirits, on the other hand, come from God. 
And so that, that, that's a different thing. I'm talking about the spirit of the born again believer now. Um, we, I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself on that aspect. But the body of man does not change at all. It stays exactly the same. And we're, we're to do something with it. We're to present our bodies. Again, the book of uh, Romans chapter 12 uh, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so that is something that the believer has to do. We take these bodies, for these bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit, don't forget, because uh, the Holy Spirit now dwells within my spirit and my spirit dwells within my body. And so the effect of the, my body has become the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about the fact that our members are in fact members of Christ. And so our bodies don't belong to us anymore. Our bodies belong to God. And we are to look after our bodies and we're to keep them holy. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And so that is something that we have to do with regards to our bodies. Um, and so what the Bible does is then it differentiates between the spirit and the flesh. In Paul's writings, we see it very clearly. He differentiates between the flesh and the spirit. The spirit being the spirit of man, which is born again. The flesh is made up primarily of two parts. The flesh is made up of the physical body that we dwell in um, and the carnal mind, the carnal thinking. Those two parts together make up the flesh of man, whereas the spirit of man is obviously the spirit which is born of God. And so what happens when we're uh, born again is that our spirits become new creations in Christ Jesus. The Bible tells us that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new and all things are of God. And so it is the spirit of man that becomes a brand new creation that had never existed before. God creates us all over again. We are new creations. We have become born of God. But something else transpires, and we'll deal with the flesh. We'll get to the flesh later on in this uh, series of teachings. But we want to deal primarily with the spirit of man in uh, today's uh, topic because we're dealing with the fact that we, we've been set free from sin and it's really in our spirits that we have been set free from sin for we are now going to see that it, our spirits can not sin it is impossible for the spirit of the born-again believer to commit sin um, that is not the case for the, the spirit of the unbeliever for the spirit of the unbeliever can only sin that is their nature uh, for they take upon themselves the nature of the devil. And that is uh, what really one of the main things that has to happen um, for the redemption of mankind. Man, it was, it's never been good enough for man's sins merely to be forgiven. And God says, okay, I've forgiven you all your sin. Because unless the nature of man changes, man just will go out and continue to sin because that is his nature. He has the nature of the devil, of Satan, his father. Uh, and his desire is to commit sin. And so all unbelievers, uh, the, the nature of their spirit is spiritual death. The nature of their spirit is to commit sin. Their desire is only to commit sin. And so God had to deal with the, the nature of man, which is why we must be born again, because God has to um, create in us his nature in order for us to now walk free from sin. For unless God could do that, we would just continue in sin uh, and nothing would change. Um, no matter how many times God forgave us our sin, we would continue in sin. And so God had to deal with the nature of man. And so what he did was we were then born again. Now, before we're born again, something else transpires in the spirit, in our spirits, in the spirit of the unbeliever. And that is, our old man dies. The, the, the spirit of the unbeliever that we used to be passes away. He dies um, before we're born again. Let's have a look at some scripture along that line. Romans chapter 6, beginning at verse 6. Paul writing, he says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Talking about the old spirit that we used to be. 
That old spirit was crucified with Christ. For when Christ died, the Bible says that he tasted death for every man. So what that means is not only did Jesus become sin with the sin of, of mankind, he also tasted death for every single man. When Jesus died, he uh, took our place in that we died, and we died with him. Now again, you, you have to believe that in order, in order to partake of it. And we've dealt with the fact that you, if you reject the gospel, you're rejecting that issue. But nevertheless, our old man was crucified with Christ. At the time that Christ was crucified, when he died spiritually, um, my old man died spiritually as well, in God's eyes, in, in the mind of God. That is what transpired. I still have to partake of that by accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But the actual event actually did take place when Jesus died. For God allowed him to taste death for every man. So that's what happened when our Lord was crucified. For what purpose? He goes on that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. And so Paul refers to this body as the body of sin. For it is there, and we'll go through the teaching, we will see that sin actually uh, is in the DNA of these bodies, these physical bodies that we dwell in. That has not been... Are changed. That will only be changed when these bodies become the resurrected bodies that our Lord Jesus Christ has um, reserved in heaven for us. And these bodies will be sown into the earth and will be raised again as resurrected bodies. They will be sown uh, as corruptible bodies. They will be raised incorruptible. Um, but in this life, we need to deal with this, these physical bodies that we dwell in. And so what has happened is that the body of sin has been done away with in Christ. For he is, we've been, not only have we been crucified with Christ, but we've been raised together with Christ. When uh, in the book of Ephesians teaches us that, that we've been raised together with Christ and we're seated together with him at the right hand of the Father in the Spirit. And so in, in Christ, we are able to overcome sin in the flesh. Unbelievers have no ability to do that at all because their spirits are dead. Their spirits have the, the nature of their father, the devil. And so their spirits are going to agree with their, their, their sin that resides in their physical bodies to go out and to commit sin. There's no uh, contrast. There's no, there's no um, withhold, uh, trying to prevent that from happening because their spirit... Agrees with the flesh, and you know, they can just go out and commit as much sin as they want to. The only thing that hinders the unbeliever from committing sin is their conscience, and we've already discussed that. However, with regards to the believer, now things change because now our spirits are born again, our spirits now have the nature of God, and so our spirits are able to, through Christ, exercise authority over our, our bodies and thus keep them in check so that they cannot just go off and do the sin that the, the physical bodies want to do. Verse 7, he says, For he who has died has been freed from sin. And so Paul is now teaching us that our old spirit has died. And because our old spirit die, has died, we have been now freed from sin. How does that work? Well, he, he, he teaches us that um, the law has dominion over a man as long as he is alive. And sin has dominion over a man as long as he is alive. Once a person dies, the law doesn't apply in that person's life anymore. And he, he taught us about the, the woman who's married to her husband. That as long as her husband is alive, if she marries another man, she'll be an adulteress. But if the, her husband dies and she marries another man, she's no longer an adulteress because she's not dead to that particular law, for he's died. And so when we die um, physically, when we leave this planet, the law has no more dominion over um, people because the law is only for this life. Sin is in, if, it falls into that category as well. For a person who dies, sin no longer has any dominion, uh, has any impact on that individual any, any longer. Even those who have gone down into hell um, for not believing in Christ, when they go down to hell, sin is not part of their, their, their has no more dominion over them. Um, you look at that, that uh, 
rich man who went down to hell. He, all he was concerned about is to prevent his brothers from coming down there. He wasn't continuing in sin. He was remorseful. Um, there was nothing more he could do about it because he was now being punished for his sin. But he was no longer thinking of trying to commit sin. He was actually you know, thinking of pretty good things. He was trying to prevent his brothers from landing up in the same place where he was. And then obviously everybody that goes to heaven, there's no sin in heaven. So he who has died has been freed from sin. And Paul is really trying to get us to understand the concept about the fact that our old man has died. Now because the old man has died, we too have been freed from sin. It says, if we had died physically, we have died spiritually, for the old man has died. And he who has died has been freed from sin. And so sin no longer has dominion over the believer. Sin has dominion over the unbeliever, for his, his spirit is alive unto sin. Um, because he's, he still has the natures of spiritual death and the nature of his father, the devil, who always sins, and that's all he, that's, the, that's his nature, is to commit sin. And they follow after that nature. But once we die spiritually, we've now been set free from sin. Sin no longer has any dominion over my spirit, none whatsoever. Um, Peter t- teaches it in, in a, the same thing, just uses different words. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. And so we see that before we're born again, the first thing that takes place, this is all when we're accepting Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The first thing that happens is the old man dies. The, the spirit that used to dwell inside these bodies dies. And when that happens, we're instantly freed from sin. Sin no longer has any dominion over, over uh, the believer uh, because that, that bond has, has been broken. That, that chain has been broken. There's no more control. Uh, before uh, we're born again, our spirits are completely bound by sin. They cannot do anything but sin. When they die, sin has, that's it. Sin has lost its power. And so that we are completely freed from sin. Sin has no more dominion over the born-again believer. Um, but at exactly the same time, what has transpired is we're born again. So the old man dies, sin loses its power. No more power over the spirit of, of man. And the new man comes, the new creation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And we're born again. Now that spirit that God now breathes into our, our bodies um, is directly from God. So it no longer has the nature of the devil. It now has the nature of God. That spirit is born of God. And um, Peter gives us some insight into the, the nature of that born-again spirit. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, he says, Having been born again. Remember the Lord said, you, if you want to get into the kingdom, you have to be born again. So this is the born-again person, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Incorruptible incorruptible means exactly that. It is incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted. It is impossible to corrupt that seed. That seed is the spirit that we have been born of. And so it is impossible for our spirits, the born-again spirit, to be corrupted. It can never commit any sin. It is incorruptible. And very important that we understand that. Through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever, the Word of God is incorruptible. Our spirits are born again of the Word of God, of the Spirit of God. And our spirits are incorruptible. And they, they, they will live and abide forever, for we receive eternal life. And that's part of what happens when we're born again. We now receive the life of God. We receive eternal life and we'll never die. So our spirits will never die and our spirits can never sin for our spirits are incorruptible. They have been born again of the incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Um, the, the apostle John uh, supports Peter in, in that statement. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, he says, Who, whoever has been born of God does not sin. 
Why? For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. And so it is an absolute impossible, um, impossibility for our spirits, the born-again spirit, to commit sin. It cannot do that. It, that is not its nature. That is not in the DNA of the born-again spirit. The born-again spirit is completely sinless and has no ability to commit sin. That is so important for us to understand um, as, as born-again Christians um, as to what has actually transpired. Because once you get an understanding of that, because it's out of our spirits that we are to live. We're to now live in this sinless um, environment, for want of a better word. Um, <clears throat> and that's the reason that the Holy Spirit can now come and take up residence in our spirits. Under the Old Covenant, that could never happen. Because as, as much as the Old Covenant, Old Covenant saints were believers and their faith was accounted to them for righteousness, they hadn't yet been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because they weren't in Christ Jesus. They couldn't yet be made the righteousness of God. Why? Because Christ has not yet come and had not yet been made sin to be uh, sin with their sin. And so they couldn't be born again. Under the Old Covenant, that was an impossibility. No one could be born again. And so even though they were Abraham, David, Samuel, all of the Old Covenant saints, Moses, were all believers and their faith was accounted to them for righteousness, it was a promissory note given to them by God in that he said, all right, one day in the future you will be made righteous. I'm promising you this, this is my covenant with you. But they couldn't be made righteous there and then because they couldn't meet the conditions. For to be born again, we have to believe that God has raised Christ Jesus from the dead and we have to confess him as Lord. They could not do that for Christ had not been raised from the dead and they didn't even know Jesus as Lord and so they couldn't confess him. So they could not meet the requirements to be born again. And so um, they couldn't, their, 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 their spirits still had the nature of the devil in them and their spirits were sinful in nature. Now the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in the presence of sin. God can't be in the presence of sin. And that is why the Holy Spirit could not dwell in the saints under the Old Covenant. Old Covenant. He could come upon them by the grace of God and by the, the, the power of God. He could reside upon them and empower them to do things like be a prophet or a priest or whatever it is that God had called them to do. But he couldn't take up residence on the inside of them because their spirits were sinful in nature and the Holy Spirit cannot dwell with, uh, in the presence of sin. Our Lord teaches us this truth and he confirms this truth for us in John chapter 14 beginning at verse 16. He says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. He's talking about the Holy Spirit now. That he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him. Now look at what our Lord says. For he dwells with you. So the Holy Spirit was with the Old Testament saints. Um, and he was with the, the, old, uh, the apostles at that time. For he dwells with you and will be in you. So he wasn't yet in the, the apostles because they hadn't yet been born again. He couldn't dwell in them. He could dwell with them, but not in them because their spirits were not yet born again. And so that is pretty much the fundamental difference between the Old Testament saint and the New Testament saint is that we're born again. Our spirits are now holy and righteous. And so the Holy Spirit can now take up residence in our spirits. And that is why when, this, when the New Testament saint dies, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that means all Old Testament saints, the moment they die physically, they, their spirits are instantly in the presence of, of God in, in heaven with Him. Old Testament saints, that couldn't happen. They could not go to heaven because there is no sin in heaven. And their spirits were still sinful in nature. And so they had to go to another place, which our Lord referred to as Abraham's bosom. And I don't want to get into the technical 
teaching along that line, but that uh, location was uh, under, under the earth, uh, next to Hades. There was a great chasm fixed between the two, and all the Old Testament saints went there. And they were comforted. There was not a there was not a place of torment. Um, they were you know comforted as if they were in heaven, but it, it just wasn't where heaven is. And they had to wait there until such a time as they could be born again. And what happened is when our Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, he went down into that location and he actually preached the gospel to them. And they were all then born again. And then when he ascended into heaven, he took them up into heaven with him. And they now reside in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ. And all New Testament saints don't go via that route anymore. They go straight to heaven because their spirits are all born again. And that is why to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Old Testament saints couldn't happen. They had to wait. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 and 19 teaches us about the fact that our Lord Jesus had to go and preach to them says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. Verse 19, By whom, by the Spirit, also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, speaking about Abraham and Moses and all of them who were waiting in that particular location for our Lord Jesus Christ to come, their Messiah, to come to them and preach I am the Messiah. They could believe in him and they could confess him as Lord and thus be born again. And then he took them up into heaven with him. We pick that up in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 8. The apostle Paul writing, he says, Therefore he says, when he sent, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And so our Lord Jesus took them up with him into heaven and all the Old Testament saints uh, reside in heaven with our Lord Jesus Christ um, for all eternity. But the point is, is that us, the spirit of man that is born again can not sin. That transition has taken place. The old man has died. The moment the old man died, we were freed from sin. Sin no longer has dominion over us. Sin has dominion over our bodies, but we are able to overcome that. And we're going to get through uh, the teaching along that line. Um, and sin has dominion over the carnal thinking. But again, we are instructed to renew our minds, become spiritually minded, and then sin no longer has dominion. But sin has no dominion over the spirit of man, because that spirit, that old spirit died, and the new spirit has come, which is born of God, and that spirit is uh, born of incorruptible seed, cannot be corrupted, and as John says, he who is born of God cannot sin, because we're born of God. And that is very important for us to understand in this teaching of repentance from dead works. For if we're to be able to be repent from dead works, that was never taught to the Old Testament, Old Testament saints. Covenant and Testament in one word. Uh, the Old Testament saints, they were never taught to repent from dead works because they couldn't, because their nature remained the same. No matter how many times that, that bull was offered up for them to be a sacrifice for their sins, they would go away and they would continue in sin because their nature stayed the same. Uh, under the New Covenant, the, the doctrine is repentance from dead works. You can, we can turn away from darkness, turn into light. We can turn away from the power of Satan and turn to God uh, because of this transition that takes place. Our old man dies, the old spirit dies, and the new man comes, the new spirit comes from God. And sin has no dominion over the newborn, uh, the born-again believer. Uh, we have died to sin, and we have been made free from sin completely. And we're going to end the teaching on that point today. Amen.